Hello there, listeners. This is Quentin Smith, and you're listening to the 35th ever episode of Shut Up and Sit Down, a board game podcast all about board games and card games and all the other lovely things you can play in your very own house. I am safely ensconced back in my Airbnb. There is some tea on the hob, and we have rather unusual episode for you today. First off, the first 40 or so minutes, you've got a live recording of myself, Paul and Matt after Fantasy Flight's World Championships, where we got to play Star Wars Rebellion and the third edition of Fury of Dracula. I got to lose at Netrunner to the best players in the world. And after that, after that, I have a very interesting conversation with Jeff Kanata of the DLC Gaming Podcast because him and I have both been playing Pandemic Legacy and you know what we're going to do? We're going to spoil it. So that'll be very, very forewarned. You can switch off the podcast if you don't want Pandemic Legacy spoilers but Jeff and I have played until June and uh, if you don't care about spoilers or you're playing along then uh, then you should listen to us talk. Ooh, listen to that. I didn't even foley that in. That's my tea going. I'm going to swap over to uh, to the post-worlds chat and say goodbye to you. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very, ooh, we're not sure which number it is, Shut Up and Sit Down podcast recorded live. In an airport. Yeah, with the... that's all the noises. All the airport noises. Yeah, we've Can got a man them? going by with a bean. We've got we got us. There are going to be announcements soon, and we'll know this podcast is over because someone will ask Matt Lees to please report to his boarding gate. Yeah, but before that happens, a very pleasant woman's going to bring us all a margarita. Hooray! And, uh, and just a beer for Gwyn. Just, just a, a beer. beer. It's fine. This it's is fine. a podcast all about board games, card games, all the games you can play, and this week that Drinking we played apples. at Fantasy Flight's World, World Championships. Worlds. We it's played... just called Worlds, isn't it? Yeah. FFG it is. Worlds 2015. And it's a big competition where people can prove to be who's the best at playing. I proved that I was the best at Netrunner. Well, 99 out of 300 or so, 260. That's pretty good. Except for 98 other people, I'm the best in the world at Netrunner. That's pretty good. Top 100. It is. I'll take it. I'll take it. Because you didn't turn up with your own decks, did you? Because there was a thing where you couldn't bring all your stuff to Canada. Yeah, I couldn't bring uh, all my Netrunner cards to Vancouver because I picked them up, ready to pack them, because I'm living in Vancouver at the minute with Lee. And uh, and then I was holding them in my hands like a baby, and I went, I can't take these with me. This is stupid because they weigh like twenty kilos, maybe. Because you've got like whole binders of them. I've got binders and Netrunner cards. I got boxes of sleeves and custom acrylic tokens, and I went. I'm not going to be this guy and I made an executive decision and had people make me ducks when I got to Vancouver basically what happened was it was like running without shoes yeah that's exactly imagine imagine if a man ran a marathon but didn't do it in shoes and had to like borrow shoes before the before the the wrong size shoes they're the wrong size shoes and they're like Wellington boots yeah that's what I did at Netrunner, I and I still think, came 99. Yeah, this is pretty good. I'd like to I thank my uh, agent, but hey, there's something even more exciting we played and talked about. I don't about. think there was, was there? I think there was. I, think I didn't play Netrunner. Fantasy Flight. Yes, we played. Yes, no, win, lose, banana. <laughs> oh, win, lose, banana. Oh, uh, oh. what a game. Now. We lost our minds playing win, lose, banana. Matt, do you want to explain win, lose, banana? Yes, win, lose, banana is fantastic. Um, you basically have game. a piece of paper, three pieces of paper, one that says win, one that says one, lose, and the third one that says banana. The person who has win then just has to say, right, okay, I'm, I've won. And then the other people basically have to convince the person who's won whether or not they're the banana. Oh, no. Just, oh, Paul had it all along. Okay, okay. I'm playing. Well, I've won, so I've, I'm You're win. I've got win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am Guess the what, Matthew? Guess what? Guess what, Matthew? Guess. I am the banana. I'm the banana. Look at me. Look me in the eye. I am the banana. Pick me. Oh, you're both a banana, are you? No, no I, I am. am the, the, yes, but I'm so the actual banana. one of you guys banana. lose, but one of you actually... You're both a banana. Okay. So and the game for Matthew banana. now is to pick the one out of me and Paul who has the word banana. Which is me. Paul's a banana. That's bollocks. No, Matt, you're, oh, making, a mis- you're making a mistake. You're making... Oh! <laughs> Paul's a banana. So that's win-lose banana. Paul actually really was the banana. It's a fantastic game. The best thing about that game is saying to people, do you want to play win-lose banana? And then having them discover live in front of you that yes it is actually a real game yeah, <laughs> and you're not making it up yeah when uh, we were at uh, Fantasy Flight and they said and we said to Matt do you want to play Win Lose Banana and because he thought we were joking he said oh I used to play it all in my yeah. university days I was like oh no I've played it too many times you guys play you guys play because I thought it was an elaborate scam and you were trying to make me look stupid like go Johnny go 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 yeah but actually what happened is we made you look stupid by playing the actual yeah, game which was great and we also played a bit of Ra there which was fun we'll talk about we'll Ra talk about we'll Ra talk about Armada the people at home want to hear about the secret game we played. Yeah, so we played um, 
Star Wars Rebellion. Fantasy Flight announced this recently in a fan. Is it just called Rebellion? Probably? Star Wars Rebellion. Okay. Or just Rebel- it's this, the word Star Wars have got to be in there. It's got to be. There were so many stars and wars. Okay, so this is a two-player game that is probably most similar to War of the Ring. Yeah. If people play that, which is a famous Lord of the Rings beloved war game where one of you plays Sauron and one of you plays Hobbits. Uh, but the reason people love it is that you can do all the things in the movie, but in a slight... It's like an alternate reality version of the films. All those events and characters exist, but you manipulate them how you want to. Yeah, you yes. start just before... Um, so the Death Star has been built, but then nothing's really kicked off that much. Yes. Yeah, you have a hidden rebel base somewhere. If you're the rebel player, you have a hidden rebel base somewhere. Yeah. You know where it is, obviously. So, yeah, two-player war game. So it's the point before Hoth gets discovered, basically, isn't it? No, 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 it's not. It's, it's the point before... Because Leia hasn't oh, no, been yeah. captured. And there's no Luke Skywalker on your side yet. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So you start... Oh, my goodness. Thank oh, you. Oh, wow. Well. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. All the drinks. Thank you very much. Paul has just received the largest. There you go. Thank you very much. I tell you what, thank you. Oh, wow. This this drink is a lot bigger than it looked. Paul has received something that can only be described as furniture. (laughs) It's like a cereal (laughs) bowl of alcohol. (laughs) Whereas I've got a kind of much more. Well, mine comes in a little shaker. Matt got an actual shaker. For the people at home, we are in a Chili's before you think we're in some kind of. People at home probably had a vision of like us in a really classy bar or an executive lounge. We're in Chili's and it's awesome. It's quite strong. I'm sure quite strong. This podcast is going to go really You're in well. America and you've ordered a margarita. That's so, what happens. Yeah, because you don't actually even have Luke on your side. You're just the rebel forces. The Empire has a Death Star. And immediately, Matt and I, like... It's, we started playing and immediately we found what was interesting, which is all the Empire needs to do to win yeah. is find where the rebel base is and blow yeah. it up. Yeah. And it's easy. It's, it's kind of like Guess Who in a weird way. It is Guess Who. It's Galactic War it's Guess Who. Guess Who, except as I found quite early on it's guess who whereby if you don't like one of the faces of the planets you can destroy it with a death so star so here's the thing that did I mean obviously you've got this whole board haven't you of all these planets so the idea is you start to systematically search and you'll eventually uncover the base find them hopefully during that time the rebel players built up enough infrastructure or support that actually they're not a walkover when you find them yeah but also Quinn's because he had a death star just drove it up to the nearest planet and just <laughs> Press the button to check it was working. <laughs> he blew up, up Cashy. There was nothing on it. All the Home of the Wookiees, yeah. Home of the Wookiees. I had a card that allowed me to have a Wookiee uprising on Kashi. And, and I couldn't was, do it because there weren't a bloody Wookiees there. You, I mean, you're, you as the rebel, you can have uh, planets that swing to your side and they help you. Quinn's can have planets that swing to his side or that he subjugates. Yeah. Kashyyyk was just neutral. It was just there and he just shot at no, it for I think, fun. I think Kashyyyk is, Kashyyyk is one no, of No, Kashyyyk was rebel. It oh, starts it? as the rebels. Oh, and okay. that's why there was a card called... He did do it Yeah, Matt drew a card secretly that read Wookiee Uprising and he grinned to himself and then I said, I'm going to activate the Death Star and blow Destroy up Kashyyyk. Destroy Kashyyyk, yeah, because it meant that the idea was you'd take it over with ground troops and then out of nowhere, surprise, yeah, see, Wookiee. This was what was amazing, right? And we should clarify, you should put some money aside for Star Wars Rebellion if you at all care about two-player games, war games, or Star Wars, because yeah. it, w- it was one of those games that we demoed for maybe two hours and when they said you know when, when we had to leave yeah, we, had we didn't we didn't want to leave like, oh, we so didn't want to leave because you did the wonderful thing of unexpectedly like stumbling into my base oh can I tell really this story on. yeah go for it so there was a wonderful thing where like I'm gradually just trying to take more planets get more ships you know uh, create more get more factories and generally be an evil emperor but what actually happened is Grand Moff Tarkin had a couple of ships and took them to a planet and Matt went oh the rebel base is there and I went yeah! And then Matt put about 40 units on the yeah. planet. And then Grand Moff Tarkin had to leave because guess what? He's not prepared. He wasn't prepared. Yeah, because you've got to have this cache of hidden stuff. And it's, it's on the table, but it's in a separate bit on the side. So it's like, that's what, wherever the rebels are hiding, that's what they've got. So you can see it, but it's that you don't know where it is. So yeah. out of nowhere, it's like, oh, look, you've here's, got a massive army. Here's a huge rebel But you army. weren't expecting it. You weren't like, oh, I think Matt's there. No, I was just exploring for fun. You were like, you wanted to come and like try and do something annoying, and then you like just walked into. <laughs> I this just wanted death the, trap. the factory, yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, what, wait, like. And I do like the pace of that as well, in the same way that, like, you know, I played Armada for the first time the other day, yeah. and um, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, but that's just kind of got this kind of like quite a heavy pace. What I like about this is it does have this sort of fast routine stuff of every time you assigning your leaders these different actions and then strategically choosing the order that you do it so you can purposely make it so that usually one, each player has one thing they can do at least yeah. where the other player then can't do anything about it they can't counter it because yeah. you have this opportunity to try and 
um, save people to one side just yeah. to stop people from the gentleman who was things. demoing it described it as um, uh, Corey like a like the most worker placement game that Fantasy Flight will ever yeah. make except instead of workers it's heroes and instead of getting wood you're blowing up planets but I tell yeah. you what it wasn't that complicated either was it I mean you no. got into it this was the crazy quickly. thing yeah so the rules themselves are really simple and then all the theme comes from cards in your hand so yeah. for example like I, I captured Obi-Wan it was the most amazing thing I played a card and Obi-Wan was captured and then there are all these cards you have as the yeah. Empire where if you capture a rebel hero which is a real blow for the other side because they just have one less hero yeah, they can use you can then play cards like interrogation or tracking device so tracking devices we release we'll release the the rebel person back to the base and then we'll know roughly where the base is wow yeah but what actually happened is then Han Solo rescued Obi-Wan yeah because I got Han Solo he turned up he blew up a superstar destroyer <laughs> on, on his own he, yeah and you were like what this is bullshit and I'm like no this is exactly the sort of thing that, that happens in the film Han Solo does <laughs> yeah what was it I was saying like I was moving the star the Death Star by yeah. itself across the galaxy and um, and I said something without thinking about it like look how much health it has there's no way the rebels can destroy it and Paul correctly points out from watching our game, like, actually, 100% of Death Stars have blown up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do have 100% failure, right? They've yeah. got a bad track record. Yeah, and then I realized, oh, yeah, obviously, all those cards in the Rebel deck that I know nothing about, like, they're going to be shit, like, here's how you blow up the Death Star. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. It was really fun little cards, and also just getting to send all my leaders off to do these little secret things and yours was all about crushing me and capturing things and yeah just slumping out the resistance we should have mentioned obviously in case you haven't worked out already it's like properly asymmetric it isn't like yeah. this thing of like a, a war game you were all about taking my leaders crushing things subjugation is a wonderful thing like, all yeah. I can do is I can spend uh, like my efforts like, to send ten tons my... of polit- political and diplomatic energy yeah, yeah. I send all of my Mon Mothra they, they basically yeah. go somewhere and they're nice to people aren't they yeah Quinn's doesn't have to do that no, no. I, as soon as I've got stormtroopers on a planet they're like subjugated and boots are on the ground and you don't get all the benefits of that you don't get all the production benefits but it's like yeah we'll make you some things but then you know it's the idea of I have to go and send my diplomats around the galaxy but then doing that when I send my diplomats somewhere to be nice there's this risk that they'll be captured <laughs> Darth Vader's going to turn them up and nick them yeah, or take them home and maybe put them in Carbonite or something. That is and the thematically, best. all of that works. No, this, yeah, this was the nuts thing. So I didn't, he said he was going to email it to email it to us, but didn't. But the guy doing the game on his laptop was just writing away while Matt and I... was still I, doing it. When, when I said goodbye, he was still like embellishing I thought he was taking uh, playtesting notes, like for the, if they do an expansion, yeah, that kind of thing. Actually, <laughs> what he was doing was writing a Star Wars plot synopsis of our Star Wars where it's like Obi-Wan was captured, but Han Solo rescued him. And then like Luke Skywalker shows up at the end of the first film, because actually all the objective decks for the Rebels are divided into like, you have to do all the ones, then all the twos, then you get the threes, which means that the, like naturally it's gonna get a three act structure. Yeah. Where like first the rebels are doing some raids, then the rebels blow up a Death Star, then the rebels you know kill Darth Vader. But it's nice. It is that idea of being like okay, rather than having like it's in the Star Wars universe and you like the Star Wars universe, and that's fun. Like I like I love Imperial Assault because of that. But with this, it is like all of the characters you know. Yeah. But rather than having it so you're reenacting the films, it is just like it's like a re- it's a remix. Yeah. It's basically like uh, you just work it out. So it might just be that the Death Star gets destroyed really quickly, and you know, or it might just be that the, the Empire just completely wins and like Luke Skywalker gets frozen in carbonite so I can see it being oh, the sort of thing that if you're a really big Star Wars fan I don't even care about gonna... Star Wars no, but the I idea don't. of like Luke Skywalker in carbonite is yeah, like know, right? it reminds me of what they did of the Star Trek <laughs> movies the, the Star Trek reboot where like they took the plot of a, a beloved Star Trek plot and, and then reversed just it, and yeah. reversed it and you're like oh that gives me a plot erection yeah <laughs> oh my the, goodness uh, the uh, or a lady I'm not even going to try and rescue that statement sorry ladies um but no, the, the, the thing I want to describe is the probe deck because this was the, yeah that's very cool this is like the coolest mechanical thing in it yeah sorry so people Paul do you want to make the noise so people will remember on Hoth a, pro, a probe comes down to Hoth severed Hoth and he says and then Chewbacca shoots it and goes yeah so there's a deck of cards with that probe on the back and the way it works is there's one of those cards for every single system in the galaxy which is like maybe call it 40 systems or 35 so the rebel player initially takes picks a card from that deck, which is where their base is. So you can have a rebel base on Hoth. But you can put it anywhere. You can put it anywhere. The thing is, I, I mean, I got a bit cocky, and I thought, well, let's put it somewhere where there's actually also really good military production. Yeah. 
so that I can have well, actually, that Which caused then me to go, I'd like quite good military production. Yeah, I'll so take... that, that's the risk of basically, like, if you put it somewhere that's kind of desirable, then the Empire might just go there because it's desirable. Yeah. Yeah. But then you've also got this wonderful amount of things like Endor and Hoth. And you can have the rebel base on Dagobah. Well, and I was looking at Dagobah going, I don't want to go to Dagobah. Yeah, it's worthless. And it's yeah. out of your way. And yeah. there's no point for you to be there. But that's why yeah. the rebels would go that. Yeah, it's, yeah it's... but also the fact that it's lovely that a lot of these really worthless places are right next to your all of your bases you <laughs> found my base I had to basically all of my ships came out onto the table and it was like okay and you had to run away because you were not expecting it yeah. but then it was like ah, it's kind of not good that he knows where my base is for a whole variety of reasons and also it means I can't stockpile this secret army and there's lots of rebel cards that are to do with like launching secret attacks from the base yeah. which you kind of want that so I had to start a new base and it was this thing of like I just thought I drew these cards because of the probe thing, taking out these cards. Have you explained, have you explained no, that? I haven't got okay, that yet. So I got to, I got to cover this. So, so Matt, one card is missing from the probe deck. Yeah. And every turn, the imperial player will draw at least two, but maybe more if that if that's where their focus will draw two cards from the probe deck. So you're slowly learning where the rebels are not. And so theoretically, if you were just um, like waiting, you would have to get every single card in the probe deck, which isn't feasible because then one card's missing and you go okay I know where he is what ends up happening instead is you just very slowly know okay well he's not on Dagobah because I got the Dagobah card yeah. I haven't got the Hoth card yet and the funny thing is because they have little mini maps on the cards I looked at my hand even briefly yeah. and at a flash I went most of these cards are from the west of the galaxy which means statistically if I go east I'm more likely to find him and that was guiding how I went yeah yeah. and that's just and also, but also then of course so now you can describe what well, happens well they exist those cards that you get the probe cards exist because they have the little like area of the galaxy in them because each area has four systems yeah they become like sets yeah it it's like set collection go, yeah. okay I've got those four put them in a pile I can now ignore that section of the galaxy forever but it's the combination of what cards you have combined with places you are already physically at starts mm. to mean that actually you narrow it down where it can be quite quickly but yeah. I have no idea what this is the nuts thing this is this was what this is the clicky moment which the designer like warned us about like that was so great because Matt can bluff Matt can just protect a system and I'm like oh is he there but then what Matt doesn't know like at the midpoint of the game is he can go oh I'm gonna defend Dagobah and but Matt has to do that having no idea whether the Imperial player is holding the Dagobah card because if I am I know you're full of shit yeah and he could go along with it he could be like pretending that he thinks it's Dagobah and he's moving his forces towards it when actually he's actually not yeah he's about to I can curve off at the last second and go nope so it's this really fascinating and we didn't quite get to that point but I could see that towards the end of the game when the army start building up and the whole Ball becomes populated with armies all over the place, it would become very much a bluffing game on both sides. Not just you trying to uh, resist the temptation to smirk when they mention a place where your base is, but also them trying to pretend that they don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like, and I mean, I move my base to Alderaan. So describe how is, this works. Well, I move my base to Alderaan. Which is literally right next right to the heart, next to the heart of the Empire. Oh, but you I, can do this. You can move. If yeah, you, that's it. So you put, describe to Paul how the movement works, because this mechanic is awesome. Yeah, so basically, when you move, you, you get a set of these, these action cards that you keep drawing, right? You get two every round, and you've got a deck. You can only have ten in your hand at any one time, but you basically have these four... Thematic are, story missions that yeah, you can send all, people on. These, yeah, they're all like basically different types of missions that do different types of things. Like, uh, and Some of them are really good. Like You can just do a trade envoy where you suddenly set up and everyone likes you, and they immediately start filling the factories with good stuff. You can do Ooh. all this awesome stuff. But you have these consistent ones, and one of the consistent ones that you, you always get back into your hand is to move your base. And the way it works is that basically, if you want to move your base, you put this card down, and the way that, that actually doing the actions works is you put the card down face down, and then you put one of your kind of leaders on top of it. And then afterwards, uh, you need to have one, the certain number of things. If it's a skill check with a difficulty of three, then you need to have like three of that color thing on it to, in order to even try it. And then if people can test it, it comes down to like rolling dice depending on the stats of the characters. It's very simple, but it's kind of, kind of neat. But anyway. To do this, if you put one leader on this card, then it means that you get to choose four cards from the top of the drone deck. Yeah, the probe, the probe, the probe deck. deck. Yeah, and so if, you get, you get if you put two leaders down, you can choose eight. But then you basically, you, however many you get, either four or eight, you take these cards off the top of the deck and you look at them, and then you just have, you don't have to move. You can just be like, oh, I'm not moving, but then you just choose one of these eight. And the so is the, the, this is the yeah. thing, because you, you're drawing cards off the probe deck, so you cannot move to places the Imperium's already probed, mm-hmm. because they're already holding those probe cards. Yeah. But also, you can't move to places where the... You can't move your base to planets the Imperium's already settled. 
So... So I drew four cards. And I was already on two of them. You, were, you He was, no, you were on one of them. Uh, and the other one was Kashik, which you'd blown up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So I was like, I can't hide that because it's not a planet anymore. And so I only had two more options. And it was this thing of being like, oh, man, well, maybe I could just... And that's the point where you start to realize you're wasting time because leaders are so useful for carrying out actions, for countering actions when the Empire are like trying to, you know, kidnap people. You're like, no, no, you're not. Han Solo is going to turn up and stop that from happening. So you can't really afford to keep round after round be going, no, nope, none of these good, no, nope, none of these good, and wasting leaders. No, it's draw a big deal. Oh, also, when you, when, you, yeah. when you draw... Pro- oh, yeah, you shuffle them back into the pro deck. You shuffle them back in, but it's that thing of you often, as the game goes on, even when you're drawing lots of cards, the choices you have are actually very minimal. And, some, and what if you draw cards that are already valuable ship-producing systems? Then the Imperium's like... I'll just go there and, and then you're in trouble again. Yeah, we didn't quite see it because we didn't get quite to the end of it. But I also really like the fact that what's nice is that when I had Alderaan, for example. Alderaan. Alderaan, yeah. It was right next to your, like, you know, the home, Imperial home world. Home, yeah, home of the Emperor. Yeah. And you even joked. You were like, oh, it's probably at Alderaan. And I was like, ah. <laughs> and luckily didn't do anything that was a tell. Um, but then it's this thing of, this place is empty, and because when your base gets discovered, all of the stockpiled troops in your base zone have to come out onto the board where the base is, it then meant that if you walked into my base, and my new one, he could just walk in with one stormtrooper. And and instant like, oh, instant oh, death. It's a rebel base, it's completely empty. But, you know, like, uh, you lose the game. And you lose the game. So it's this thing of, you have this place on the board, which is your, the bit where if they enter, you are completely dead. But... What can you do? It means all you can do is then have to very slowly use all of your reinforcements to fill up the thing. And the real thing I realised, which was really clever, is if my base was actually at a location which was already quite heavily enforced or had people there, and oh, you were yeah. like, oh, they're over there. If I then started filling up my rebel base with units, you'd be like, hmm, well, why is he doing that? Because if it was there... Oh, he wouldn't you mean if it was already defended, I wouldn't understand. Well, I would assume you're an undefended bluff. system. But that's the point, is like, if you start filling up your space again when you've moved your base, then you start to think, well, it must be somewhere empty. Yes. Because otherwise, yeah. why are they doing that? Yeah. So it has all these levels of bluffing in it, and it seems really smart. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, I, even just, and we always also pointed out to us, that the thematic thing of like, if you're a Star Wars fan, being able to choose where the Rebel base is is hilarious, because like, if you're playing with a Star Wars fan... He might have put the rebel base on Hoth, which is yeah. where it is in the film. Yeah. He might have put it on Tatooine, you know? Like, yeah. And actually, we, he was saying that if you have a Death Star, the Empire player will a lot of the time blow up, um, I forget, Naboo, which is the Gungan homeworld, <laughs> just on principle. Yeah. You, yeah. Can, you can blow up Endor as well, which I is not great. Yeah. When I realized I started with Naboo, I was like, oh, really? Blow up Endor, <laughs> no, the Gungans love the rebel rebellion. It, it, it is a Star Wars sandbox, isn't it? You have all these playing pieces, you have all the characters. Yep more characters emerge over time you start building ships you get your economy going you just play in the galaxy yeah it's and I, do, I do like as well the, the thing I was saying earlier is it has a slight similarity in my mind to Armada with the sense of slow momentum where you can take over all these planets that just very quickly pump out like you know stormtroopers or x-wings or really yeah. light troops you can be like yeah you'll get them immediately you'll get them next turn but then if you want the big stuff if you want like the big Rebel shield generators, and you want the massive kind of you know superstar destroyers. They take three turns, and it has yeah. this little thing of like you know, when you're building the big things, they take time, and it's that it's that gamble, and it's nice in the fact that it does feel like sometimes they're just holding out. You think if I can just keep it together the for last, another few rounds. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about it is that like it's got the Fury of Dracula thing, where both players are looking at the board terrified because yeah. in Fury of Dracula, which we played the third edition. We did a preview article on the site, so I won't say much about it aside from to say that it's awesome and that Fantasy Flight have upgraded it and you should absolutely buy the third edition. But, um, yeah, like, as the as the Rebels, obviously you were shitting yourself because you're the Rebels and what I was you- losing my mind. Like, when, <laughs> when you were kind of coming... Because the problem was, I'd realised that I'd put my base... Um, in a place that had great production and also the zone next to it had great production and you wanted both and I assumed you were going to go for the other one because it was undefended but you went for the one where I was it's like it's because I wanted to capture the people town. there I know you did and that's the thing is I didn't clock that yeah. and then you turned in to try and capture someone and I'm like oh this is where I live but then as the Empire you've got the, the inverse where you're looking at a galaxy and then the Rebel win condition is only like get to turn 14 and then every single Rebel objective they yeah. complete makes it just get to turn 13 get to turn 12 they have to hold out and they have to build support and if they do like a sneak attack that beats the shit out of you hey guess what now it's get to turn 9 yeah because they build support yeah and as the empire you're just looking at the board going 
They could so be big. anywhere. So and actually, one thing yeah. that, um, that actually kind of surprised me and unusual in this kind of game is the fact that because so much of the rebel stuff is done by a diplomatic envoy, the, the Imperials, if they want to take stuff, they literally, it's like a we classic have to go there. strategy game. They, they very slowly march yeah. across the board going, you know, ploughing through, taking over stuff. Whereas with the rebels, there's like this idea thematically, I guess, that you manage to sneak like a single ship through with yep. an ambassador. And it means that I can take over like planets anywhere at yeah. any point. You know I what, Matt? You're so like, you know what? It's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's really That's annoying. The thing, it's like you're moving all of your troops up to this and then on the other side of the galaxy I just send like Mon Mothma you send to go, the, yeah. hey, you guys, let's be friends. You send Mon Mothma with a clipboard, clipboard going, hey look, actually, mm, you sell ships to us. Do you realise that? PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Like three reasons to join the Empire. Have you seen Rebels. guys, statistically, <laughs> statistically speaking, the Empire of Dicks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was the best when uh, you did that and I had that propaganda mission. And went actually the rebellion of dicks, and the planet went yeah. Oh, that's the hilarious oh, that's, thing. That, oh god, the when Death you Star when thing. you blow up a planet with the Death Star, you can pick any system in the region to immediately flip to Imperial. Yeah, because they go. So what happened to Kashik? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? The Empire, all right. We love the Empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really nice, and it's that thing of like it is very much like a sandbox. And it's, I didn't really, I wasn't really feeling the rebels at first because I'm evil and I like crushing things. And I was frustrated when I turned to ask the guy who was demoing it, so saying, "What? What do you mean I can't subjugate planets?" Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "It's not really what the rebels are." Like, oh, yeah. What? Um, but I got into it as soon as, because you know, as soon as I started to get more leaders, when I got Han Solo and stuff, when you start to get the characters you know and like and start having fun with that, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, especially because your missions are like, hey, just go and blow up a Star Destroyer. And yeah. then you don't need to win, just blow up Because it's even actually a, a final thing is that even the little missions you do, they have a little picture of a character in the corner, and it yeah. means that you get to roll extra dice if that character does it, yeah. which is a nice way of encouraging you, basically, rather than just looking at it mechanically and statistically going, this guy's got the best dice, so I'll take this guy. It encourages you to basically make sure that on the mission where out of nowhere somebody turns up and blows up a massive ship and then leaves on their own the person who goes is Han Solo you know or Luke or Luke or like whatever it, yeah. it adds it makes the theme it kind of shoehorns in the theme it's in a funny. really cool way it's funny yeah it like yeah so I want you two to talk uh -oh. about oh god I'm burping uh, I would also you know, Here we go. I would recommend that people don't drink the beer if they go to the Chili's 2 in Minneapolis Airport Terminal yeah. 3. Terminal 1. They haven't cleaned the lines. It's the worst beer I've had in years. Really? It's, wow. it's like, oh, it's no. like it tastes of moss. <laughs> anyway, on that note, oh, I do have a love, though. I'm not just a grumpy person. I love Star Wars Armada. Armada. And, uh, and you two, not only did you get to play it, you lucky dogs, you got to play with all the Wave 2 ships. I played it for the This was my first time playing it. And oh my goodness, I was in at the deep end, like turn one was like, this is how you play the game. But you do this, but also these units don't do that, they do this. Yeah. But the, these units, you got the whole that type, they don't do that. Basically, you got out of bed and you were shaken awake and a man said, Commander, you have to, the fleet is about Flashing to... Flashing a light in my face. <laughs> yeah, the red warning flash. And he didn't know that I was the work experience kid, so they just pulled me onto the bridge. You had a large ship, you had Admiral Akbar at your disposal. Admiral Akbar, he was... You had frigates there. and torpedo boats and I had Lando, squadrons. Was there. I love the admirals. I gotta say. Oh, you like the admirals. So do you want yeah. to explain the admirals? Well, the admirals are basically. They're like they are inexplicably about ooh twenty, like ten percent of your entire army is put into a single cost, yeah. a single piece of paper, which is your admiral. But they're great, and what I love about them is um, <laughs> I've played X-wing. Uh, quite a bit. What I love is that you sound like you're drunk, but also I can see that you haven't drunk any of your margarita. Oh, no, no, it comes with a separate jar. Oh, okay. So I thought you were just drunk on board games. I am partially. I'm also jet lagged. It's, it's a combination of all these also things. Also drunk on alcohol. But, but board games are an important part of that. <laughs> but no, I love I love X-Wing and I love um, I love playing that. But I find it also it's very frustrating when you have that thing of when you have like your, your star pilot. Yeah. Who does this amazing thing? And then your star pilot gets shot out of the sky and you're like, oh, I can't do my amazing fun thing anymore. Yeah. And it's sad and you want to cry. Well, that can still happen in Armada, but it's the fact that the, the, the Admiral lives on one of your ships. Yeah. And you yeah. just choose which one. And, and then you get a buff to everything. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it's like, I couldn't believe it when I looked what he could do. I was like, oh, that's a really cool ability. And I kind of assumed it was just on the ship he was on, but then I read it again. I'm like, it doesn't say that. I didn't no, know. It's just and then I was like, oh, it yeah. must be once per turn. No, it isn't. You it's know, like you, you can just always do yeah, it. Yeah, you both used Akbar as well. Yeah, and Akbar's cool. It's this I'm thing famous being, for that. I'll I'll mention the theme behind good. that. 
in Star Wars canon, he's famous for the Akbar slash, which is where you drive, you go straight through the enemy ships and shoot from both sides. Which otherwise is really good known, if you have a ship that has good broadsides. Which sides. is what his large ship does. Yeah. However, that, that is also known as rudimentary naval combat for like 300 years. Yeah. Because naval ships have guns on both sides. It has sides. got a really naval yeah. feel. It does. Like, so, that's yeah. what I can, I did like that. What I loved as well is watching both of you. Both of you played the Rebels and both of you, again, two different games. Yes. And both of you made horrible yeah. cluster, like traffic jams in your first turn. I made a yep. terrible mistake. But you, st- you had an excuse because you started in a minefield. Yeah, I did. And um, I think it's because I've been playing um, Summer X Wing that I started in a minefield and then my, in my mind I thought, that's all right because he's going to zoom towards me and then he's going to hit the minefield. But I, I didn't realise <laughs> actually everything in, in Armada is so much slower, which makes sense because these ships are bloody huge. But it meant that I was like, ah, it's fine, he'll smash into the minefield. What happened was he set everything to a very, very casual, like practically in neutral uh, in speed and just very yeah, slowly. Yeah, kind of like rolling gently. Yeah. Whereas I did the same thing, which was stupid. <laughs> like, I didn't want to, basically, I didn't want to zoom in range of his, of his cannons. Yeah. And so because of that, I went slowly. And I should have just zoomed in, taken the hits, and then zoomed again and gone on the offensive. Gone behind those Star Destroyers. And I also, I was kind of jet-lagged as hell, and I didn't <laughs> do, I wasn't playing like I normally play. Usually I'd be like, well, let's have a look at the actual statistics of my enemies, and realise that it wasn't until halfway through the game that I went, oh my god, these Star Destroyers are like, are really weak at the back. And I was yeah. like, very it's strong too late for me to do anything about back. it, because half my ships are dead. Like a slice of pizza, they are fantastic at the front, kind of boring at the back, yeah. which is good, because they're shaped like That's pizza really slices. That's a really good analogy. There you go. He said like that as if that was a bad analogy, but ignore Paul. That was all. <laughs> That's what I wrote in the. Never mind. Yeah, anyway. that. Well, no, I said well, it. That's Paul's line, is it? No, it's too late now. It's too late. The analogy. No, listen, listen, listen. Paul, Paul. I'm too late. so sorry. That's a fantastic line. It's too Paul. late, Paul. No, no, no listen, it's not too late. It's never too late. The Paul, analogy. The analogy is. Quins. No, oh, listen, listen. It? Yes, the good bad thing is mine. I'm the banana. Paul just said they were slice shaped like a slice of pizza. I'm the banana. Don't listen to him. I'm the I'm, banana. Oh, I'm I the can't banana. Do the banana anyway, <laughs> I, it, it was uh, yeah, a wandering at the deep end. I enjoyed it, and I found I instantly found Wave Two kind of interesting because you've got both ends of the scale. You've got these enormous ships. You've got the Imperial class star destroyers, yeah. which are like loads of firepower in the front, nothing in the back. That thing's quite terrifying. Fast. Yeah. They're quite fast. Yeah, because I was talking. To, this is all in our Armada preview, which yeah. is up on the site. You should read. You but should. the uh, because it purely because. It captures Leia's ship at the beginning. They had to make it fast. Faster the beginning of the movie. Anyway. That's stupid. It, well, it's yeah. canon, boy. I know. <laughs> this is the difficulty, the I think, with IPs. It's thing. like... It, yeah. Mm. Anyway, so go on. Yeah. But, yeah, at the other end of the spectrum, then you've got loads and loads of these special kind of fighters, special squadrons, where... Oh, the... You know, base up you've got X-Wings, you've got TIE Fighters. Now... You've got Millennium Falcon, you've got Boba Fett in Slave One, you've got the Moldy Crow, you've got Dash Rendar in whatever he flies. <laughs> you've, Have you read got... a book with Dash Rendar in? No. Okay. I would never read a book with anyone with Dash Rendar in. I, I used to love the Star Wars, like, unofficial kind of world. Do you know Bounty. anything about the rogues and villains that you... Well, you we used to read the... I read some of the Bounty Hunter novels when I was younger. Nice. I can't okay. remember Dash Rendar specifically, but yeah. Boba Fett's ability is hilarious because he shows up and parks. <laughs> and then... I forgot to do this in our game, but... Uh, Anything he parks, like whenever he stops, he just does a damage to something. Yeah, through really? the shield. It's a, like, like kind of like a more reliable Luke. Like he just shows up and sort That's of horrible. looks out of his window, and, and then things. something explodes on the uh, on the ship. Because yeah, I was not worried about it at all because it was a tiny little thing, and then suddenly it was just like yeah, it was so funny because I, I, I was watching what? Nels play it with you, and uh, I said, "Oh, Boba Fett does a damage when he flies next to your flagship," and you were like, oh, "I got shields." So I was like, "No, just take the card through the shields." So there you go, pop. Yeah, it's it's really brutal. It is that thing of it is very much feels like kind of crap naval warfare of ships just flying near each other and then one of them suddenly just sinks. One of them explodes. Yeah, but I do. They're quite powerful. Some of these tiny, tiny ships that are in this wave are quite. The Millennium nasty. Falcon is not to be fucked with. The Millennium with. Falcon as well, which I had as a as a rebel, which flew all over the place, and never quite got blown up. It's because I couldn't bring not... myself to kill it. That's true. <laughs> well, also I think it's he's I, quite good. He's fantastic, he is. He's fantastic at taking out smaller ships as well. Like, yeah. The thing I noticed as well is that I was kind of, um, yeah, like things like X wings are just very good, and it makes sense. Turns out X wings are really dangerous. It's this idea of like you know. In a way, when you're facing these giant imperial ships, you actually want a little like set of tiny ships to go near because actually it's they're helpful. not as effective. Like 
the Star Destroyers are fantastic at firing like mega laser beams at big things, but actually when they're faced with little flies, they can't quite swap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just it's what I described in my review like a few months ago. It's just it's like um, you've got gnats, you've got bigger animals, you have larger animals, and just this ecosystem of uh, very slow, thoughtful ecosystem of laser death. It's, Everything it's, does feel very heavy though, in a way which. I can see the appeal. It's very different to X-Wing. Yeah, it was. You do. You very. You slide. Because I wasn't interested in it because you I thought do. I've already played X-Wing and I thought, what's the point in. It's it just a, looks it's like a, it's a. It is, it as, is quite different, isn't it? It's as slow as. It's as slow as X-Wing. X-Wing is like this 30 minute farce, whereas Armada <laughs> is like a three hour farce. <laughs> uh, no, I, I kind of felt like. Vive la difference. I don't want to be like too cynical about it, but I felt like Armada was just um, more X-Wing. Who aren't afraid of being scalped, you know? Because right? it's just so much money, you know. I was you like, know what? It's not because you. But it's not. It's a. It's a very different game. Yeah, know? yeah, I, and I love it. I prefer it to X Wing. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I like X Wing. It's kind of fast and scrappy, but it is that thing of like things just flying back and forth all over. And the dogfighting is fun. What I like about X Wing is the first round is really exciting. The middle gets a bit fuzzy, but then when you're down to like One a shipping. few ships yeah. and it's like a little dogfighting thing, it's it's awesome. So it's 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 kind of cool to have a little strategy game that actually it kind of heats up again for the finale which mm. is something that often is the point where both players are kind of done and you want to just be like let's finish this what else did we ooh, what else did we we did Fury of Dracula we did Fury of Dracula oh we god did. so many good games this weekend I, mean, I, I didn't get to play that I'm really gutted but I've got it in my bag so you'll never have to see it again take, take it away <laughs> and I think you'll have a really good time with it I think you'll have a really good time scuttling around Europe yeah, I'm going to try and get some people around actually and play it before Kunz comes back. Oh, that's a great it's, idea. And oh. claims it as his conquest. You can borrow it for no, a bit, no, man. It's fine, it's fine. And the thing is, they've they've uh, they've updated it so it looks nicer. They've tweaked the map so that the choke points work better, and they've just got rid of the slightly rubbish combat and replaced yep. it with better combat. The combat is now like this wonderful sort of uh, card selection thing. What uh, what else have we got? It's uh, all the um, player characters like Mina Harker. I can't yes, remember any of the names. Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Um, have had their and this is so fantasy flight have had their abilities boosted so they all feel more unique yes uh, which is lovely um, and yeah I immediately did the classic Fury of Dracula thing I said can I be Dracula and uh, <laughs> Cynthia said yeah you can and I was like yes and then for about the first third of the game I floated around the UK you guys didn't know I was there I made yeah, vampires well in, it in was like Scotland, a holiday in Scotland and the UK leaving a vampire in Scotland as well it was fantastic and then I went back to Europe Europe and oh if people don't know Jesus uh, ooh I'm tired uh, Fury of Dracula is a game where four players uh, chase Dracula but but and this is why it's so beloved Dracula is not placed on the board he instead moves by putting a card which is the city he's moving into but he leaves a trail of cards a trail of face down cards and you have a Dracula mini map don't you yeah so you do you're tracing your own route and we have to try and intercept you at some point yep. you get to find them route. by going to locations and be like oh Dracula has been here yes you do that's but exactly that's all it. you know is that Dracula has been here do you get to see the order of where he was you do so it's all six cards and then oh wow so if you find somewhere and he's just been there yep it, it, this is the amazing thing so like um, oh it's so good it's so good it's, I'm really the thing is it's one of these games where like everyone says it's a classic and it's like okay well that's cool but it's costs a stupid amount of money. Not so, anymore. I know, I know, I know, I know. This is the lovely thing. It is back on shelves and it won't cost you 200 You know, it's great to, to see It's great copy. to see this getting fixed because I think it's been an esoteric and fun thing about board games. This idea that like everyone has slightly different collections and people have this like, oh, you got that? That's amazing. You got the old edition of Fury of Dracula. It's yeah, less I mean, good. I mean, that's, I mean, that's still a thing, I guess. It's like for collectors, you've still got like original editions. Like you have like, you know, original editions of books. But, it's been frustrating to have it being like you have this new collection and, it, and that's because it's, you were lucky or you had money and it's there is, expensive. There is exactly one game in my collection that you can no longer get and it's the Wizards of the Coast edition of Robo Rally which is like my number oh, yes. one game. Uh, but, so, Matt, you're in Europe. Europe. You're chasing. You're chasing Paul. Paul's Dracula. Hello. And you, know. have, you have no idea. <laughs> no. This is actually, this is describing shut up and sit down so far. So, uh, and then you go to Paris and you go and because you, you've been spending 20 minutes you have no idea where Paul is you're like, are you in Paris? Because you have to ask him that every time you move to a place. And Paul frowns and flips over the third card in his trail, which means you know he's now in somewhere that's two spaces connected to Paris because he would have moved and then moved again. It's still, two moves. Get there, it still smells a vampire. And yep. I probably left you a little present along that track. Which could have been a trap, could be an ambush, oh, wow. could be an a- a every vampire. time, every time Dracula moves, he has to leave 
like a, a, an ambush poop in his wake. Yeah. And you go, there's loads of fog here. It was, Dracula's been here. Also, now <laughs> oh, I can't leave. Well, foggy, bruv. <laughs> or occasionally a thing like, you know, a juvenile vampire. And if you don't find those, they just work their way to the end of the track and they mature and then that just... Wow. Yeah, bad. 12 nice. of the 15 things that Dracula can leave are traps. Three of them are vampires he you makes. Know, I'm not going to lie, I'm a bad person and I want to play this just so I can be the vampire. Oh, dude, no, here's the thing. Here's and I want thing. to invite my friends into my house because I can't oh. get into their house without them inviting me in. That's very true. <laughs> okay, let me invert this. Come into my room. Let me invert this, right? So, yes. Uh, <laughs> right, Matt, you're Dracula. Yes. So, uh, you are going around uh, Eastern Europe. You're near your castle, it's all great. And then someone, and, and like they, but slowly, you know, actually, over the last 45 minutes, you've noticed they've been picking up item cards and event cards, and they're showing each other the event cards and giggling, and they're exchanging things, and you hear them say things like, ooh, I want that because I've got these, and the other person bursts out laughing and goes, yeah, and then someone finds that you've been to Athens, and someone plays an event card that says, reveal this card, like, tell you whether Dracula's in this region, and they do the maths, and they go, ah, oh, he's in Budapest. And then all of them move to create a net around you. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah, it's the reason Fury of Dracula is amazing is at the beginning you can actually prey on the hunters and they can stick together so that they don't get killed or bitten because being, if you're bitten twice you're out of the game. Uh, but then it's like about halfway through it's just flipped and Dracula is a rat in a drain pipe. And it's the scariest thing because guess what? You're being chased by four middle-aged rich people with guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that you do as a And if we've learned something hunter, from being in America. Hey! Well, wow. But, uh, yeah, as a, as a player, you run around Europe and you gradually go, like, murder shopping and you just... You pick up a rifle. I like that though because that's garlic. how you stop a vampire. Like you don't just like go, oh god, it's a vampire. Lucky I've got this steak. Oh, I've killed it. Done. You, you have pick to up like. A bunch of it is that like that safety. Oh, it's tracking. It is it. that thing um, of like not just the tracking. It's that thing of when you do it, you need to be sure. That's why it's that thing of people wait till they're asleep and yes. then they go in with a hammer and yep, a steak. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they've yep. got like people with them. And, but you know what's you know, great? There's enough flex in the combat that you can have something like. Uh, let's say that I go, okay, I know where Matt is, and Paul says, you, you, we can go in together. If you wait till tomorrow, we can get him. And I'm like, no, he might have a card. I'm going in now. And then you play a card, and I get bitten. And, like, I have to go to hospital. Then you have a hole in the net, and you go, I've done it, I've done it, yes, I'm going to break through the net. I'm going to go to, um, like, uh, I don't know, Germany. And as you're lunging towards Germany, just before you do, Paul goes, okay, I'll consecrate this ground, and he blocks you by wow. putting a token on the... But similarly, Dracula gets cards that are things like roadblocks, so and then in the much the same way of Well, has he um, got like friends with the council or something? Yeah. Oh man, Dracula is the most connected dude. But he can't he can't ride trains. The hunters can ride trains and you can't because you don't trust him. Because oh. you're old fashioned. Uh, so here's the thing you can do. You've got you play a card that That's lets you sweet. put down three roadblocks. Or roadblocks or council red trains. Yeah. Where do you put them? Because if you put them around you, the hunters know exactly where you are. So like you put them like you know, you put you can put them almost at random and then you get to listen to four of your friends go Oh god oh, why would he block the road from Paris? There's no way he's there unless he is there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just it's and just you beautiful. Can just sit there going, <laughs> and then yes. then they find you and you go, Oh fuck. Because if you die I've got to say I really love the Dracula on the box as well. Like especially if he's a dra- the kind of Dracula that won't get on trains because he doesn't trust him. Uh, it's just this fantastic old school Dracula. Yeah, you like. I the, really like it. There was some discussion. Me and Paul don't like it. No, fair enough. I know there's like a bit. I'm, of, I'm neutral. I'm You're neutral. neutral. Okay, I don't like it. There's him. a bit you of division, way. but I think it's kind of nice, especially with like kind of modern sexy vampires as, as it's kind of a thing, and that's he fine. He is the oldest, wrinkliest. He but looks he like just a looks pervert. Unpleasant. Yeah, but that's what <laughs> but fa- that's what Dracula that, is. That, that is what he is. He does old, creep into women's bedrooms. Weird, pale, yeah. out of touch pervert who <laughs> just happens to be like undead and that really good at. Smoke and bats and shit. Bats. And I like that. Bats, I'm down with that. Please. It's better than like Robert Pattinson, isn't it? It is. <laughs> On that are. note, uh, when's your flight boarding, mate? Uh, pretty soon. So we should probably wrap up and pay for these margaritas. Better, better, <laughs> get better down that. Can okay. we get the bill, please? Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. And now everyone who is listening knows that we really were doing this in an we airport. We really event. were. Uh, um, all right, everybody. Through my... Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, why not, and you have something to tell us, something exciting, something to share, share. why not drop an email to the address on the bottom of www.shutupandsitdown.com. Yeah, and we promise we won't record the next podcast actually in an airport. <laughs> well, we probably won't know, that's true. We probably won't. <laughs> oh, wasn't that... A lovely chat, although let me state again, that beer was 
inexplicably awful. It tasted of moss. Uh, so, coming up next, don't go away because I've got a chat with Jeff Kanata, 50% of 5x5 Network's weekly excellent gaming podcast. Now, I'm a big fan of Jeff's and we've both been playing Pandemic Legacy. We we're both about halfway through it and we said, hey, why don't we meet up on the internet to discuss uh, exactly 50% of the secrets in this game. So, if you don't care about spoilers, or you're still on the fence about Pandemic Legacy, or you've played up to June, then you're pretty safe going into this uh, next segment, and we're planning to do another chat with Jeff in the future when we've both finished year one of Pandemic Legacy Season 1. So, please enjoy part one of our spoilery chat. All right, this is Jeff Kanata from the DLC podcast on 5x5. And this is Quentin Smith on the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast from uh, shutupandsitdown.com. And uh, we, I think we are members of the Mutual Admiration Society, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, it's always fun to collaborate on anything. Uh, I have a deep and burgeoning respect for uh, you and everyone from L.A., really. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're in L.A. as we speak, right? Uh, no, I'm in Vancouver as we oh, speak, Vancouver. which is like oh. L.A., but uh, with a lot more uh, of the herb uh, around. <laughs> a lot more green everything, really. Yeah, actually, yeah. N- nothing is green here. O- although there was a weird thing whereby um, uh, it's autumn now and all the trees are this beautiful shade of red and then you get one gust of wind and all the leaves fall off instantly at the same moment, which isn't something I've seen before. It's... I've never experienced fall. I don't know what fall is. I uh, think I remember you saying this on We Have Concerns and that's just so weird to <laughs> Yeah, me. we have summer and then slightly less summer. That's the two seasons <laughs> that we have. Okay, so we're meeting today, though, to discuss Pandemic Legacy. Uh, Yes. And this is going to be exciting because we're going to discuss spoilers. And, you know, me, and coming from Shut Up and Sit Down, part of the board game community, there was an interesting thing where when Risk Legacy came out, no one mentioned spoilers for, like, two years, which was fun and respectful. But you know what? Like, there's a lot of meat on those bones there's a lot to discuss here if you've played the game and i want to and this this is going to go out to those people who have played the game or don't care about spoilers i feel like pandemic legacy is even more spoiler scary than risk was i feel like this this game tells an even more surprising story in my opinion yeah, uh, I, I gotta admit, I didn't actually play Risk Legacy because I'm kind of opposed to Risk and sort of missed the boat. Ah, uh, and at the time, I couldn't justify playing a game ten times because we had so much to review. Right, um, it was just too much of a commitment. Um, but I heard there were, and again, hey, spoilers for Risk Legacy as well. People, really, you're in the wrong place if you don't want to hear those. <laughs> uh, there are alien races in that, and cities emerge from the sea, and right. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, it, mm. there are definitely huge spoilers that happen. I think. Pandemic Legacy, again, if if you haven't played it, I think we both unilaterally would recommend playing this game. It's, it's an amazing game. We just published uh, our spoiler-free review on Shut Up and Sit Down, which involved me wearing the world's cheapest hazmat suit. <laughs> I love uh, it. It, I just, and it didn't quite fit. It was one size fits many, and I'm very tall. And so when I sat down, it would kind of pull the suit back up over my forehead, <laughs> um, revealing uh, my forehead, which is no good for uh, for anti-contamination. But yes, it, it's incredible. And uh, actually, I you know sort of pushed our review forward a bit because I saw you tweeting that it was like, or it was Peter Sierra, actually, maybe, that that it was one of their best gaming experiences for years. Yeah, yeah. Like, he and I played it together with another friend of ours, Reza Lackey, and the three of us, uh, we, we were going bananas because <laughs> we had been excited about the game, uh, you know, and, and got together and decided to just marathon as many plays as we could in one day. We got together at 10 a.m. and we played until 10 p.m. And we got about seven games played, and we were wow. sort of live tweeting and periscoping our way through it. Um, but yeah, so we both say go play the game and don't don't listen to the spoilers before you play the game. But we're going to talk complete <laughs> spoilers here, because here we go. This is the juicy conversation I've been wanting to have. Right. Because as soon as you play this, you go, I want to talk about this with somebody. Okay, so the very first thing I'm going to say, where in the world of Jeff Kanata do you not want to go? Because I tell you what, you do not fucking go to Europe in the copy that I'm playing <laughs> through with my girlfriend. For us, it's South America. Oh, really? Yes. South America is off limits. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Mex- Mexico City is uh, is patient zero town. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? So, yeah, this is the... Let's let's work through it chronologically. I should also say that we've only got up to June. So yeah. I know that you're past me. We've just unlocked the ability to raid equipment from the CDC and military bases. We're not that much farther. We, we just hit July. Um, and I think 
I remember reading on your uh, Twitter feed that you guys uh, won your first few games also. So did we. We I, and Which is not like me for Pandemic. I rarely win a, just a regular base game of Pandemic. And we mm. cruised through the first four or five games uh, without losing. But you've lost a game now, right? We've lost two in a row. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. you didn't get the month bonus and everything. Uh, no. So, yeah. I mean, the thing that happens very early on that I want to discuss the most is... Um, the fact that you get given your objective card, which is cure all four diseases. Mm-hmm. And one of the very first spoilers, and this is maybe the thing I'm not most in love with, but it's up there, is that you're halfway through the first mission. It goes, yeah, actually, there's no cure for the disease with the most cubes on the board. So yeah. deal with that. And you have to rip up the card. And it's like, and obviously, you know, halfway through the game, that's still something you're dealing with. You cannot cure one of the diseases, which is so fundamental to Pandemic and so great that they've just gone, no, 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 this, yeah. this can't happen. It's a crazy moment. And it actually allowed us to win because that disease was like, kicking our ass and uh we were oh, like you didn't oh, have we any can just ignore yellow? that now that's awesome now we can win but it's it is a crazy moment where it's like okay well literally everything we know about pandemic in one moment is different and <laughs> and there's just such an excitement to that of well this game is really going to change all the rules uh, and then you know you start in like a regular game of pandemic you start with a, a certain number of of characters that you can play as and the first time that a new character was introduced into the game was very exciting as well because that oh, happens yeah. pretty early on. And That's the quarantine it, specialist, right? Yes, and the and the stack of cards that you're you know flipping through to find out what happens next, they're all they all look like regular cards, and they did this really clever thing where the the character card is larger than a than a standard card size, but they have it folded in half so it just yep. fits in the deck and it conceals itself, and you realize. Oh, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know there was going to be new characters because it was folded in half. Yeah, there's nowhere in the board that you can hide new characters, but they right. but they managed it. Yeah, that's really cute. I almost don't know whether to share this, but I was in a game shop yesterday and um, I was very aware of the first two pandemic expansions. But the third one, which is, oh God, I forget what it's called. It's, it's a green box. And if mm. people Google pandemic and look for green, they'll see it. But some of the mechanics that took the top of my head off in pandemic legacy, and I'll only mention this briefly because it's not a very exciting point to make, but it's still one I should make, are actually just in the third expansion of um, for regular pandemic, the the ability to quarantine stuff right. and the idea of a super bug that you cannot treat are both from the third pandemic expansion. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm with you. I hadn't played the third expansion either, so that was new to me as well. Yeah, but I, yeah. So that was that was kind of a bummer. I did want to share that with people. Uh, however, that said. My God, just let's talk about box three. Let's yeah. just go straight to box three. Because what happens there is you open up box three and Coda, which is the disease you can't treat, uh, mutates again and people's skin goes a bit translucent and they basically get really aggressive and turn into the zombies from 28 days later. It's in, it's an incredible moment opening that box and, and having little zombie pieces that you now yeah. add to the board and replace this, the, the cubes, the pandemic cubes with zombie pieces. And you realize, oh, we've just changed genres. <laughs> we, are, we are in a new genre of game. It's an incredible experience. Yeah, and then when you get to June, like we were really rest- – our first game that we lost was after the zombies were introduced, uh, the first full mission with them. And we had cities falling. And that's a thing I definitely want to get to later about how uh, Coda will grow in power. And there's a sub-objective of trying to make sure it doesn't take over too many cities. Yeah. Um, which is just a really weird puzzle. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that when you first get equipment, it's like, okay, clearly you guys are in trouble. Here are some grenades. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, well, and you, well, you just it, lose it. It does this beautiful thing where it foreshadows that. And, and I completely missed it. But the military gets introduced before you know it's a zombie game and there's you start being able to build military outposts in addition to scientific mm, outposts which aren't that useful and i couldn't quite figure out what they were for yeah yeah and then and then all, all of a sudden the zombies are there and you're just like oh i get it and it plays just like a a zombie movie where you as the main character are trying to figure out like why is the military here what <laughs> what, what does the military have to do with anything and then all of a sudden you realize oh my god they knew they knew Lee and I had a really fun thing with the relationships um, whereby when the quarantine's introduced, I think the quarantine specialist is military focused. Yes. And only military specialists can fly between the military bases. And so uh, we gave my quarantine specialist, oh, no, it was the operations expert. Um, the operations expert was rivals with the scientist. So immediately we had a narrative whereby, uh, you know, the scientist was curing the diseases and now the military are stepping in and they're rivals and they're, oh, they ah, hate so each other. Cool. 
so Which cool. Was, I mean, yeah, it, we've been creating some really fun uh, relationships. Have you got much play out of the sort of like family and friends and the idea of your family member going into a dangerous territory? Well, we didn't really uh, make family members. Uh, we, were, we, were, <laughs> we were rivals. We were co-workers. Um, so we didn't have family members on our team. But I love that relationship thing. It's, it's a, such an interesting idea that even if – you are adversarial you can still it can still be a beneficial gameplay mechanic to you yeah. i think that's really cool now i'm curious because you played it with two we played it with three um with three players we still were just frantic about which roles to choose at the beginning of each new game <laughs> i can only imagine having one fewer role to s- select you know as a part of your team what that decision was like you know it's not that bad um actually with two i want to say it makes it potentially a little easier um Hmm. purely because of uh you get to use those abilities so very often like it's a more important decision but like for example if you're the medic and like every other turn in pandemic you can walk around curing people like jesus and you know cubes just fly off the board that's huge the fact that if you if half the turns are taken by a scientist who requires four of the five cards Mm -hmm. like that's massive as well um and also you start with more cards in your hand if you're playing with two so it wasn't too much of a problem but certainly uh Yes, the we've the mission we lost. I think we lost because we chose the roles badly. Yeah, that's, is, this, same with us. Yeah, I this, that this same is feeling. the interesting thing, like the um, trying to figure out what kind of a game you're playing now. And so I should explain how Coda works uh, and Fallen Cities work as well for people who don't quite realize. So when you get the zombies, uh, there's this rule introduced whereby ordinarily cities in Pandemic are one of the four colors: they're red, blue, uh, yellow, uh, black. Um, however, when a city gets a zombie in it, which happens when uh, one of the fallen cities pops, um, it immediately changes color to green, which means more of the cards in the deck will be spawning zombies, which means more zombies will be spreading. And so it like it's not a specific objective of like, oh, hey, you lose if fallen reaches this many cities, but you know it's going to be real bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't cure them. And so right. the idea that half the cities on the border producing uncurable bullshit is, uh, is, is terrifying. Well, and then we made this we made this bad decision. I think the first game we played with zombies, we sort of just ignored them and tried <laughs> to accomplish other missions or you know, other mission because, objectives. Yeah, none of the missions have anything to do with uh, zombies. Yeah, we're just like, well, let's focus on the the diseases we can handle and ignore the zombies. And what we didn't realize, and I'm worried now because we still have half of the plays to to st- get through. I'm worried that we let the zombies spread so far on the map that it's going to be a a, a problem going forward. Like we, it's untenable at this point. How, how many cities? Are, so it started in South America and Africa. How many cities are now? Oh fallen? man, they got they they got up into North America. They <laughs> they have spread. One of them got to Australia. Australia oh, fell no. real fast. Oh uh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know how they got there swimming, I guess, but <laughs> there was one of them in a in a boat in a box, yeah. Yeah. It it uh it was it's really bad and you literally take stickers and you stick them over the color of mm, the city mm. on the map so now it's just this sea of biohazard <laughs> stickers over the entire left-hand side of the map and we are looking forward cuz we our last two games we we played before we wrapped it up for the night we lost both of them and we're like oh god this <laughs> oh, is so a trend so you only played the one marathon and you your stamina began to run down i guess Seven or, or, or we in. made some bad decisions i'm worried about how it will mitigate that snowball effect because it seems like the damage is done by by basically ignoring them in that one game well roadblocks are interesting that's another yeah. mechanic we should definitely talk about so quarantine is a action that you unlock quite early on whereby you place a little token that city is under quarantine and it means that when you would put zombies or cubes any amount of them you instead remove the quarantine token mm-hmm. which can be huge um roadblocks are far more interesting because they hinder you and right. these are again one of those things that we unlocked and i'm like why would we ever do that and then mm-hmm. oh maybe in this circumstance and you Oh, you're trying to uh, analyze the game you're playing as well as just how to play it. So roadblocks, if there's a military base in that region, you can just dump any number of roadblocks connected to the city you're in. Um, and that means that the DZs will never travel over those roadblocks because there are soldiers with guns in the way. Right. However, you struggle to travel over them as well because you have to discard cards of the corresponding color to even get into that city. You have to have connections. Right. And it's funny because initially you work as doctors in Pandemic Legacy and there's this <clears throat> I was just watching um Winter on Fire the amazing Netflix documentary about um uh the revolution they had in the Ukraine which is an incredible piece of filmmaking and I recommend everyone watch it mm. but it has a scene with a doctor in that and she says the hardest thing is deciding when to say people are dead. 
Oh, wow. um, and weirdly, we had a commenter, and I mean, this isn't a, an enormously thematic game. There's not much story in it, but we still had a commenter on Shut Up and Sit Down who said that he was in the UK when there's a norovirus outbreak, and every time he, he was a doctor, and when he went home, he had to dispo- destroy his clothes. Oh, um, and so as a result, he can't play Pandemic Legacy. He doesn't really enjoy it. But wow. similarly, there is an awful decision you have to make in Pandemic Legacy whereby let's put roadblocks in because we can't save this city anymore. Yeah. And yeah. the, uh, completely walling in a city is something you can do and you never have to worry about it for the rest of the game. Yeah, you can just sort of say, write it off. You know, you can just say, that city's gone. It, have the, you done the that zombies have, have you just given up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> and we've can, do, we've done that a couple the, of times. Uh, the pain and then there'll be, one, there'll be one, like one prong because you have to, you have to be in a city to throw those down. And if you stay in a city when there's zombies in it, they can scar you or mm. break your will, which is which is terrible. And the uh, you you gain these traits on your character card that are really damaging. They they can really mess up you know your ability to handle the rest of the game. So we were very scared of staying in a city and getting those those traits. So we would. Have we you would, received a few at this oh point? Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We had a guy. We one of the. I think the general uh, who can like go into the. He can pass through the um, roadblocks. The yeah. roadblocks. Yeah, without a hindrance. Uh, we had him. I, I played as him one game, and we just decided, decided, okay, you guys worry about you know the viruses, the actual diseases we can handle. I, as the general, I'm just going to try to quell the zombie outbreak. <laughs> and he just died. He, he just really? got, got worked. Um, but, you know, we're trying to we're trying to lay those roadblocks blocks down in adjacent cities rather than in the actual city. And invariably, there would be one prong, uh, one exit out of the city that we couldn't get to. And so, of course, <laughs> the zombies would, you know, funnel through that and just spread. It was bad, man. It was bad. That's so funny. Like, it's the thing that, uh, you know... The manual, there are no examples in the manual in all the legacy rules you introduce. So there's a very kind of legal way that new rules are introduced because they don't have very much space. And this I find interesting because with the roadblocks, it's, it will say like, place any number of roadblocks uh, adjacent to your city. You may place them in all. And it won't say you can wall yourself in, but you have to deduce, but that would leave me trapped. Yeah, it's like, it's yeah right. no, you can do that. That's fine. It's right. cool. Yeah. It, I find it to be very thematic. I, I love the fact that it's telling this really cinematic zombie story over the course of multiple games and and I wonder very much where it's headed like there's got to be because we're only halfway through at this point there's got to be a, another couple of twists and turns well I and- think it's very important that my prediction is that that um because it does very clearly make you mark city zero where the zombies came from right so I'm positive there's going to be a kind of we have to go in there type thing and you have to drive halfway across the continent into your city zero I'm sure we'll at some point be able to find a cure for Coda, uh, you oh, know, yeah. and then and then be able to attack it head on. And, and I'm I'm just so excited. There's like two more big boxes of things to open at this point. One of them um, will include a giant zombie queen miniature, and you have to kill her <laughs> with a with a. I want uh, I want mechs. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do I do I need to tell you how quickly after we unlocked the ability to give put an airstrike on a card, we put that sticker on like right. immediately. That that was the first non-decision pandemic legacy gave us. It's like you can have an airstrike. We're like, yeah, yeah, put it on the S. Definitely card. need that. Yeah. Um, and then and then of course you know the box also says season one. So mm, I'm very mm. curious as to where what the plan is for this. Um, I mean, I've seen the uh, the designers as well have been very self conscious in their use of language around. Hope you have a good season and right. enjoy season one, not enjoy Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, so. we were uh, as I said, we were you know sort of live tweeting our experience and, and and being very cagey about it. But um, Rob Davio and I are, are Twitter friends, and uh, at one point when I opened box three and was like, my mind is blown. He <laughs> said uh, he tweeted me back. Uh, and thus ends Act One, <laughs> which I yeah. love. I love that he's thinking about the game in those terms. Like it, it really is a a storytelling device. And I think that for me, I love the fact that I'm creating this story, I'm living this story, and it, it really felt like a plot twist. Yeah, no, it does. And it's so um, it's so charming to think of yourself playing early levels and the mistakes you make and. And, uh, you know, your own ignorance becomes entertaining and uh, your own surprise is is great. What was I going to say? Um... Yeah, no, it's no. I've completely blanked. What a what a good game it is, though. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I 
I am blown away by it. I mean, I loved Pandemic. Pandemic is probably one of my top three or four uh, co-op games ever anyway. And to be able to sort of layer onto it in the way that this does uh, is so exciting. And Yeah, I, I did definitely remember that I was going to say. Oh, good. Uh, on the subject of opening all the different packs, uh, my friend Steve Wolfhart, again, Twitter friend, I should say. Um, Steve Wolfhart is playing through it uh, with his uh, partner as well. And um, he said that he's just about to go into December and he's like close to tears, like like in a wow. funny way, you know, like, but, and I said, oh, there are more twists to come after box three then. And he was like, oh yeah. Wow. So I think uh, the way that you eliminate Coda will be, uh, will be interesting as well. And that's kind of the light that's guiding me, pushing me towards the end of the game. Well, I would love to reconvene uh, when both of us have, have gotten through December because I, I'd love to, to find out. I think it's a cool discussion to have at the midpoint and then go, you know, wh- where are we at the, at the end of this journey? Um, what a great uh, idea. Yeah. Uh, especially because I think by the end of the game, our boards uh, and our characters will have, you know, changed even more and probably our tactics as well. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. This has been awesome. And again, I love your show and I love talking to you about games. Um, but the, I think, uh, people need to, people need to play this game. If you're listening to the spoilers without having played it, Shame on you. <laughs> but you know but, what? We have only spoiled uh, 50% of it. Exactly. And yes. I would pay this money even for 50% of, you know, Pandemic Legacy. Plus, your game's going to be different from mine and Jeff. You're going to make different mistakes. Yes. And maybe Hong Kong will be your doomsday city where no one goes. <laughs> yeah. Rest assured, there will be a doomsday city. Uh, <laughs> it's just a matter of where, not if. I'm just waiting for the sticker. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. So much, Jeff. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll reconvene in, uh, in I guess, a few weeks. Sounds great. Awesome. All right. Take care, dude. You too, buddy. Oh, what fun we've had. That's the end of Shut Up and Sit Down's 35th ever podcast, everybody. Uh, who knows what format and what games and what japes we'll be having next time. Uh, just a quick public service announcement. It's come to our attention that some people think Shut Up and Sit Down is only a podcast, which is bananas go crazy go bonkers. Uh, in fact, it's only a sort of small wing of a bigger mansion that is shutupandsitdown.com, where we post uh, weekly videos, uh, big old previews, uh, news on Mondays, uh, miniatures game reviews. We've got a new RPG columnist, uh, Hilary McNaughton. She's absolutely fantastic so do go to shutupandsitdown.com and uh, maybe just maybe take a peek at the big button that says join the gold club and the gold club is nothing more or less than the fantastic people who throw shut up and sit down a few dollars every month to keep the site alive because you may have noticed we have no adverts and uh, we we do our very best to produce the best board gaming content there is if you think that's something worth supporting, or maybe if we've saved you a few bucks by saying, don't buy that game, buy this one, then uh, then maybe, just maybe, you'd feel pretty good joining the Gold Club. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I've, uh, I've had my tea now. I've edited a podcast. I'm feeling very relaxed. Uh, I would like to do more of this, this kind of soothing late-night DJ. And uh, if that's something you'd like to hear more of, then... Uh, drop a comment uh, beneath this on shutupandsitdown.com and maybe I'll work out a little side project where I just play kind of uh, smooth jams and uh, and talk like this and maybe get real close to the microphone. If, if that's something I should do more, then uh, let me know. Thank you very much, everybody. 